like that. You want to try up, that. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up. Everybody, and welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And it is a good day, ladies and gentlemen. It is a very, 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 very nice day. Oh my goodness. But before we get into the very nice day of the Logan Blackman Show, let's get over some of the housekeeping items first. Make sure you go and follow the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. The Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1 with the numero uno at the end of that one. And then you can go find the Facebook page, search the Logan Blackman Show, give it a like. Base YouTube page, search Logan Blackman Show, make sure you're subscribed, watch a few videos if you feel like it. And since you're listening to it right now, make sure you are following or subscribed to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give us a rating on a five stars. I would greatly appreciate it. Leave a little description down below as well if you feel so obliged to. But man, oh man, it is back-to-back, baby. The Buffalo Bills, for the first time in my entire life, have won the AFC East back-to-back years. It has been the Jim Kelly-era Buffalo Bills. The Red Helmet Bills. The Red Helmet mixed with the Royal Blue Jersey Bills. The K-Gun Offense Bills. The four straight Super Bowls Bills. Since the team has won back-to-back AFC East titles. That is ridiculous. Like, last year was ridiculous because it was the first AFC East title since 95. And the first time, the well, I guess I guess it was kind of the first time, but the last time the Bills won an AFC East title, like we said, was 1995. The Indianapolis Colts, who are no longer in the AFC East and haven't been in the AFC East for a very long time, won an AFC East title more recently than the Buffalo Bills did by the time they won it <laughs> this last year. And then this is the first time they have won the division at home in front of the Buffalo world since 1988. It has been a long, long time. And last year they wrapped it up against Denver in Denver. Pretty easy stuff. The division last year was not great. Dolphins went 10-6 last year, but the Bills routed them each time they played. And the Patriots, as we know, weren't very good. And the Jets were in the number two pick, so they weren't very good either. But man, oh man, what a weak What a day, week 18, the first ever week 18 in NFL history, and we had some madness taking place this weekend. I don't know what happened. Like, it just became, everything became unhinged, and everything that seemed likely to happen didn't happen. It it was the most ridiculous week of football that I've seen in a very, very long time. And there was a part of me going into week 18 that was scared. I'm not going to lie. Like, I went into the Jaguars game. My thought process going into the game against the Jaguars, the one the Colt, the Bills lost six to nine, LOL, was the fact that the Bills beat the Texans 40 to nothing. At the time, the Texans had already beaten the Jaguars pretty bad. So I was like, if the Bills can kill the Texans, a team that killed the Jaguars, they should easily, they should have no problems with the Jaguars, who just won their first game in over a year, who hadn't won a game on U.S. soil in over a year. First, last game they won on U.S. soil prior to them beating the Bills was week one against the Indianapolis Colts the season prior. Week one. That's ridiculous. And the Bills came into there probably with the same mindset that me and many other people in Bills Mafia had was that we killed a team that this team got killed against. We should have zero issues with this team. And the defense played well. Allowed nine points. Like, they played well. The offense just, you know, decided not to show up. 
and scored six. Josh Allen throwing an interception in Josh Allen, I think twice, and fumbled, and Josh Allen recovered it. It was not a great day. So I had that in the back of my mind going into this game. Even though the Bills routed the Jets in New Jersey the last time these two teams played, the back of my mind was saying, Logan, this team, they've beaten teams. This They almost beat the Bucs last week. Zach Wilson is playing his best football. The more and more the season has gone on, Zach Wilson has looked better and better ever since that injury, which is kind of the same thing that happened to Josh Allen his rookie year. Josh Allen got hurt against the Houston Texans, got an el- uh, a helmet right to the elbow of his throwing arm, Missed a few weeks, and then we saw the stuff that we now see with Josh Allen and the potential that was there. I think Jets fans are starting to see the same thing with Zach Wilson. I don't think it's to the same level or same degree that it was when Josh Allen was doing this in Buffalo when he was a rookie in 2018, but it's improving. That's what you want to see. The Bills, they destroyed Mike White. Remember how quickly that flame died out? Mike White was the potential replacement for Zach Wilson at the starting position, to then not even on the real roster. That's how fat. Then it was like two weeks. Killed the Bengals, and then had a game against the Colts, and then the Bills, and then benched. It was a bad. It was it was a weird stretch of games. We told you all not to bite on it because the same thing happened a few years ago with Kyle Allen and the Panthers. Remember when Kyle Allen was supposedly balling out and going to be the franchise savior for the Carolina Panthers post Cam Newton? No, that didn't happen. He's the backup to Taylor Heineke in Washington. Like, that that did not happen. Like, it was weird when he first came out of college in the first place because he wasn't anything that special at Houston. He was supposed to be this big-time player at Texas A&M. Him and Kyler Murray rotated reps. Like, Kyle Allen was the starter at Texas A&M when him and Kyler Murray were both there. But then Kyle Allen transfers to Houston. Kyler Murray goes to Oklahoma, wins the Heisman, Rookie of the Year, Team this season had the first team to get 10 wins this year, made the playoffs. We'll get to the whole playoff picture here in a little bit. And Kyle Allen has bounced around a few teams and not the franchise savior that everybody thought he once was in Carolina because we're so reactionary with everything that happens in this world, regardless if it's good or bad. Like this year, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are busts. I saw something on Twitter. Is it too early to call Trevor Lawrence a bust? Yes. He had the worst coach in NFL history as his mentor for the first, however, 13 weeks of his NFL career and one of the most unstable franchises in the entire NFL who has never had a great history of hiring good people, employing good players, any of that stuff. There was a stretch. I think there was about a, I don't know, it felt like a decade-long stretch. It probably wasn't a decade, but they had a top five pick forever. And they've had back-to-back years of number one overall picks Like, that's ridiculous. It is way too early to say that those two are busts at this point in time. It's way, way too early. You've got to give them at least three to four years. Because after year three and somewhere between year three and four, that's where you go, this is what you are. You're nothing more than this. And there's different levels to being a bust. Like, you got the whole Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf bust era. Then you've got, like, late rounder, late picks that were supposed to be really good. Like, the Jimmy Clausens and the Christian Hackenbergs type world where they were drafted early in the second round and were expected to be this great quarterback. Christian Hackenberg was seen as a reach then, seen as a reach even more now because he hasn't done anything or hadn't done anything his entire NFL career. Someone who doesn't really get talked about enough in regards to the whole bust category is Jake Locker, but I think he kind of falls in that same category as David Carr, even though Jake Locker flamed out in about two years, and Jake Lockers was more injuries. Derek Carr was just, he just got killed in Houston. Houston did a 
horrific job at building the franchise when they first started, and it's kind of a mess right now. But hey, they might have the quarterback situation figured out. I'm not saying that Davis Mills is this most the most insane quarterback ever, but you can build something with Davis Mills. And he balled out today against the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed in the AFC. Like, Davis Mills is looks like he has it. He has four games this year of 300 yards. I think that's the most out of all the rookie quarterbacks. By a lot. I think you can combine the first-round quarterbacks. I think only Mac Jones has a 300-yard passing game. I don't know how many yards Trevor Lawrence had today, so I guess I shouldn't say that. He did not have 300 yards, but Davis Mills has four. And came back against the number one seed in the AFC. And I know the, the Titans don't have the greatest defense of all time, especially in their secondary, because their secondary has been banged up a lot this year. But that's nothing to sniff at. That's a very good Titans team that they, he played very, very well against. And I think they might have something. Davis Mills has played like 20 games his entire career post-high school. 20. And it might even be less than 20. And he's athletic. He's got a decent arm. Seems like he's a smart guy. I mean, he went to Stanford. It's hard not to be seen as a smart guy if you go to Stanford. So I, I don't know. Maybe they have something there. Do I think the Texans should go out in their first pick and draft a quarterback? Not necessarily, because they have a lot more issues on defense than figuring out if Davis Mills is the guy or not. They have more issues trying to figure out if Deshaun Watson is going to be there or not, or where they're trading him to, or if he's going to go to jail or whatever. Like, I don't know where Deshaun Watson goes, but I'm damn sure it's not going to be playing for the Houston Texans next year. I'd be very surprised if that was the case. Very surprised. But I'm open to being wrong. You know, I've never been afraid of being wrong before, and I'm not I'm not changing that now. I'm not going to sit here and cry because I'm going to get something wrong. Like, We'll go over my preseason predictions here in a little bit for the NFL. And there's one game that's still in play. We're still watching the Chargers and Raiders game. We're in the third quarter of that game. I watched till halftime of that. But, I mean, their record's going to be either one game worse or one game better. They're either going to be 10-7 and seven or 9-8. and eight. It's not really going to be anything that's that drastic. Unless we're going to talk about, like, if I get it exactly right or if I'm one game off. Like, it's that's all that really matters here. So I think we can go over it at that point. We'll go over awards and I'll tell you what I think now, even though we kind of did that on Friday as well. But since the season's over, regular season anyways, I think we could get a better grasp on what things are going to happen there. But there's a lot of crazy games that went on today. And, like, the craziness started off early. Like, we had the Browns beating the Bengals. I don't think that was too surprising. The Bengals benched all their starters. It was really, it's really not that surprising. The Bengals were six-point favorites, which I was kind of surprised about. Like, even when the Bengals had all their starters against the Cleveland Browns, the last time these two teams played, <laughs> the Browns won 41-16. So I was kind of surprised by that, but I know the Bengals and Browns have gone in complete two completely different directions since that game. But I don't think it was that surprising the Bengals won or Browns won, especially since the fact that Brandon Allen was starting for the Bengals in this game. Then you had the Lions beating the Packers, which again I'm not too surprised about. You had Aaron Rodgers going the Manning cast, which has historically not been a very good thing. I think every week since the guy has been on the Manning cast of a quarterback or whatever a player, that team has gone on to lose the next game. Now. Aaron Rodgers didn't really play the entire game here. We saw Jordan Love a few times in this game. He didn't have his best game in this. Like, he threw a couple pretty bad interceptions in this game, one that sealed the game off. But, you know, it, it, I don't. it's not the end of the world. The Packers already locked up the number one seed. They didn't necessarily need to win this game, and they didn't. And then we had the Jaguars beating the Colts, 26-11. to Good Lord. The Colts had like an 80% chance to make the playoffs prior to today. And we toyed with the idea of the Jaguars possibly beating the Indianapolis Colts, but didn't think it actually come to reality. But little did we know, that game against the Raiders was a sign of things to come. <laughs> Carson Wentz played awful. The Jaguars shut down Jonathan Taylor. Like, it was an insane 
insane game. I don't think I've seen the team that's going to get the number one overall pick dominate a team as bad as the Jaguars just dominated the Colts. And the thing that's awesome about this, the Jaguars not only kept a division rival out of the playoffs, they locked up the number one pick. You had two positives in one day. And this is coming from a team that finished 3-14. and 14. Like, it's not ideal with the situation where the Jaguars are sitting right now. But you know what? They got the number one overall pick. They're going to take either the like of Thibodeau, Hutchinson, or Evan Neal. One of those three. If you're going off of value, you take either Thibodeau or Hutchinson. If you're going off positional need, you're going to take Evan Neal. Because Cam Robinson's going to be a free agent. Get younger on the offensive side, offensive line. And then you could rotate Evan Neal around because he's played either guard, tack, he's played left guard, right tackle, and left tackle in his time at Alabama. He's what you would call as close as you can probably get as regards to a tackle position just because of his versatility around the line and how dominant he's been at Alabama and how big he is and how athletic he is. I hate this phrase, but he's something that you could consider a quote-unquote, I don't like saying this, but can't-miss prospect. Like I've said before, anybody can bust. I don't want to say that he is a guaranteed baller at the next level, but his athletic ability, his versatility, his size – make him a very intriguing target for the number one pick. And if I did grades right now, he'd be my number four overall player. Right now, as I sit here, and I don't have the official, like, everything done yet. Again, we're going to go to that Wednesday. But it would go Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and Evan, or uh, Kyle Hamilton, and then Evan Neal. That's my top four. I think Kyle Hamilton's ridiculous. Hutchinson and Thibodeau, either one of them will go number one. I'm not, at least that's what it seems like right now, even though I think there's a strong case that could be made for Evan Neal. It looks like it'll probably be Thibodeau or Hutchinson. I don't know. It's just ridiculous that the Jaguars even won this game. I don't know how this was possible and how dominant they were. The scoreline honestly doesn't show how dominant the Jaguars were in this game. And they won by 25 points. Or 25, 15 points. And that doesn't even show, really justify how dominant they were in this game. And then we talked about, like we said, the Titans and t- Texans. Titans had a big lead. They're up 21-0 at halftime. T- Texans came back. 28-25 was the final. And we had the 49ers beating the Rams, coming back to beating the Rams. They were down 17-0, 127-24 in overtime. And now the Rams are in the playoffs and the Saints. They beat the Falcons. And I very nice season for the Saints, given all the injuries they've had, the lack of quarterback consistency they've had. They were one game out of the... The 49ers lost that game to the Rams. We're talking about the New Orleans Saints being in the playoffs right now. And then we had the Seahawks, cru- not crush, but beat up on the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, again, the first team that went to 10 games finished the season at 11-6, and six, which isn't a bad record, but when you're the first team to get 10 wins and you finish one game after that, get one and don't win your division, that's kind of sad. And the Seahawks won 38-30, and my favorite game, honestly, of the weekend was the Dolphins-Patriots. They didn't really matter in the grand scheme of the game because, again, the Bills won. Bills won the division because if they beat the Jets, they already won the division. But the Dolphins beating the Patriots, they were up big. For most of the game, Patriots tried to come back. They got to like 24-27. And then at the end of the game, they pinned the Patriots at the three-yard line and the Dolphins get a touchdown at the end of the game to seal it off. Absolutely beautiful from the Miami Dolphins. And the Patriots, before the game, their official Twitter account posted something that said, we're going for the Jets or something along those lines. I will never once say I am cheering for the Dolphins, but I was anti-New England Patriots this game. And it didn't matter in the end because, again, the Bills won. They controlled what they can control. And the crazy part about what the Bills did in this game is that this is their 11th win of the season, and out of all their 11 wins, they have won by double digits. That is insane. 
for a team that's been so topsy-turvy the entire year in regards to consistency, mostly on the offensive side of things, you every game you've won has been by double digits, and this game wasn't pretty. This game was very, very frustrating. And it was kind of weird. At one point, it was 13-10. to 10. And the Bills couldn't punt the ball to save their lives. Matt Hawk was shanking him off his foot every single time he punted, giving the Jets perfect field position every time. Awful. But you have the number one ranked defense in the league. And the crazy thing about this is, for how close it was at points, here's the total yard difference in the game between the Bills and Jets. Okay? The Jets had 53 yards of total offense. They had five passing yards. Five passing yards. The Bills had 424 yards of offense. And the crazy part about this that you could see is crazier, the Bills had one more drive than the Jets. And they destroyed them in yards per game. They had, what, seven times more yards or around that? That is ridiculous. This is two NFL teams. And they, the Jets still were close in this game. It was 13-10 going into the fourth quarter. It was not a pretty game. Josh didn't play his best game, but it doesn't matter because you ended up winning the game. And I think going into the playoffs, and I told my dad this a little bit ago, I'm weirdly, I can't really explain this. It doesn't make any sense to me, so I'm not going to bother trying to explain it to someone else. But I'm quietly more confident this year than I was last year. Which is a crazy thing to think about, given the fact the Bills were 13-3, and the number two seed in the AFC, number one offensive league, or one of the top offensive league. The Bills have a top five offense right now which is ridiculous to kind of think about at times they played this year. With a lack of run game, with a lack of O-line consistency, lack of O-line just play in general. But these past three games, you have seen the best off-to-line play from the Buffalo Bills. They have their set off-to-line right now. From right to left, Spencer Brown, Daryl Williams, Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates, of all people, and then Deion Dawkins, who's a pro bowler. That's their five. And these past three games has been the best the off-to-line has played all year. Barn, it's not even close. So that's something I'm very confident about. The Bills have figured out their off-to-line issues, at least for the time being. And they, in this offseason, maybe not draft them or draft somebody or maybe go out and sign someone in free agency. Make smart moves. Team-friendly contracts, sure, but that's what you tried to do last time and it kind of backfired with the lack of terrible, well, the, the plethora of terrible off-to-line play this year. That's been improved. The other thing that's been improved, the Bills switched up their offensive philosophy. The Bills, going into the Buccaneers game, this is where it kind of flipped. This is where the switch seemingly flipped on the season. It's the second half because the Bills were passing the ball to set up the run. Prior to that, and this is how most teams do this, college, NFL, high school, peewee, whatever, you run the ball to set up the pass. Because what you're trying to do with the run, you get, Brandon Staley said it best, when you run the ball, it doesn't matter if it's working or not, it is working. If you don't think it is, it's working. Because what you're doing every single time is making the defense tackle. Because in pass plays, honestly, you can take plays off. You don't need to make a play in pass game. You can kind of just stand in one spot from time to time. I'm not saying that's every time, but there are times where you can kind of take plays off. Run game, you can't do that. Because the receivers are engaging, the safeties have to press up, the linebackers are pressing up, the O-line and D-line are engaged. That helps that. And by that, you're sucking the defense in to allow things over top. Play action is very key in that. But the Bills now, because their offense is so heavily predicated on the pass game, they pass, and then that opens up lanes in the run run game. Devin Singletary has played his best football 
of his Buffalo Bills career these past few games. Like, it's ridiculous how much better he's been these past few games. Like, against the Patriots, sure, we can count that one off a little bit. I, I, I guess I kind of forgot about the Panthers game here. So we had four games that were really good for the Bills' O-line play. But he had 86 yards against the Panthers in a touchdown. He had 39 yards against the Patriots in a touchdown. Falcons, he had 110 yards rushing in two touchdowns. And then the Jets, he had 88 yards rushing in one touchdown. And then also had a touchdown through the air as well. First touchdown through the air this season for Devin Singletary, which is kind of weird to think about. This is his best year. And it's been mostly in these last three games. because Or the four games. Because, again, the Bills have started passing the ball and the defense is now expecting them to pass the ball first because that's how they're built, that opens up lanes in the run game. And that has worked beautifully for the Buffalo Bills because not only does it open up run lanes for Devin Singletary, it helps Zach Moss, Matt Breida, and Josh Allen, who is one of the best, if you want to just include running backs, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. He leads the NFL in yards per carry, regardless of running back, quarterback, whatever. He leads the NFL in yards per carry. Like, the Bills right now, I'm feeling super good. And the crazy thing is, they're not playing that great. Like, in the games against the Jets and the Falcons and even the Panthers game, they didn't play very good for portions of these games. Like, against the Falcons, Josh threw three interceptions in. Two of them were tipped, and they were losing at half. I think it was 14 to 15 at halftime or something like that. But the Bills got the ball to start the second half, and you saw them wake up in the fourth quarter. They started off strong, had a little lull period, and then came back strong ended up winning by double digits again. That was the same thing that happened today. Now, if you can just cut down on the time you spend in the lull period, you're looking at a very, very formidable team, especially with a team not only – we're just talking about the offense. You have the number one off pass defense. You have the number one total defense. And you have the number one scoring defense in the NFL. And the craziest part about that is there's still no pro bowlers on this team from the defensive side of the ball. Number one in pass, number one in total, number one in scoring. And no Pro Bowlers. The fact that Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are not on this Pro Bowl list is criminal. And I'm fine with Kevin Byard. I have no issue with Kevin Byard. I, I listened to him on, uh, I think it was Colin Coward's show on Friday, and they were talking about how he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. I agree with that 100%. We've said that for a few years now. I think he's the best center fielder in the NFL. The fact that you couldn't fit Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde in there is ridiculous, especially since the fact you brought one free safety, and that's, you know, Kevin Byard. You couldn't take Micah Hyde. You had to bring Tyron Matthew. Jordan Poyer has better numbers than Tyron Matthew all across the board. How the hell is Tyron Matthew in there? Because his name's Tyron Matthew. I have no issue with Derwin James being in there as well. No real issue there. I have an issue with Tyron Matthew and the fact you only brought one free safety. How do you have the number one defense in total passing and scoring and not have a single player in the Pro Bowl? They're motivated. They're very, very motivated. In this game against the Jets, they had nine sacks. Nine of them. The Jets' O-line reeks. We have known this for a while now. The Jets' O-line is borderline peewee. It's not great. And the Bills exploited that. They were getting off the ball so fast that they were in the backfield 90% of the time faster than Zach Wilson was handing the ball off or dropping back and pass. It was ridiculous. But I'm quietly confident here. The run game improving, the O-line improving, the number one ranked defense in the NFL, Josh Allen being Josh Allen. Now you're going to need him to get back to the Josh Allen that we know because these past two games have not been great. The game against the Falcons, I guess, was statistically his worst game of his NFL career, which is not great, especially with the Falcons' defense. But 
Josh, as we talked about, top five quarterback, argument for top three quarterback in the NFL, run game improving, weapons on the outside, improved O-line, playing a number one defense. If I'm confident, I at least feel at this point that it's warranted, even though they have not played great against the Falcons and the Jets. I'm fine with that because all that matters, and this is all that matters in the playoffs as well, doesn't matter how you win it, it's just if you win. Because if you lose, you go home. And the crazy thing to think about is the Bills are one Josh Allen slip away from being the number one seed in the AFC. Number one, a slip away. I know the Jaguars thing, they could have had some things go different in the Jaguars game. That, But that one, that was such a bad loss that I don't even care about that one. The Patriots game, normal circumstances, they win that game. I mean, you saw what they did to them in normal circumstances when they played New England. Bucks game, that they should have won that game. <laughs> that is one of the worst officiated games I've ever watched. That's the only time I've gone on Twitter, gone on social media, and gone on this show and said that the Bills lost because of officiating. I've never said that in my entire life that any of my teams have lost because of bad officiating. But the number of the lack of holding calls, the lack of pass interference, the last one mainly coming on the Bills' last drive of the game that was in the end zone that the Bills would have scored on the next play is the craziest one to me. Like the Bills game against the pa- the Dolph- uh, the the jeez, Fal- the Buccaneers, Patriots and the Titans are games that I wish they could take back. Titans one was an awesome game. I am not going to sit here and say that like the Bills des- I don't know. I guess you could say they deserve to win the game, but it's not something that I was going to cry about because they lost to a good team. This is the number 1 team of the AC. It was a good game. Nothing wrong with that game at all. Jaguars game, I'm not going to take that one back. That was just a terrible loss. Terrible game. One of the most depressed I've ever been out of your Bills game. Colts game, they got their asses kicked. That had nothing to say about that one at all. Which is crazy to think that the the Colts, at that point, were seen as one of the hottest teams in the NFL, are now not in the playoffs because they lost to the Jaguars and Raiders back-to-back weeks and got embarrassed by the Jaguars. And that's a Colts team that has the most Pro Bowlers <laughs> in the 2021 Pro Bowl. And they're not in the playoffs. The Chargers have a crap ton of Pro Bowlers. There's a chance they don't make the playoffs. And the Bills couldn't get one defender from the number one ranked defense in the NFL. The thing, the crazy part is the AFC, their three quarterbacks, two of them aren't going to be in the playoffs or might not be in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson's not, and he shouldn't be in the Pro Bowl anyways. And Justin Herbert has a chance not to be in the playoffs either. And Josh Allen has better numbers than both of them. Is one of two quarterbacks to have 40 total touchdowns this year. Actually, I take that. I think Aaron Rodgers might have gotten it. I think. Could be wrong, but I think Aaron Rodgers just got to 40 touchdowns. Could be wrong. But I'm confident, weirdly. Weirdly, weirdly, weirdly. I was confident last year. That was more of an emotional confidence because I'd never seen the Bills win the division before. I'd never seen the Bills win a playoff game before, let alone I've seen the playoffs make the play- Bills make the playoffs two times before that in my entire life. Like they made the playoffs when I was alive, but I wasn't, you know coherent enough to even know what was going on or even being aware that the Bills were playing at the time. Like, I was there when the Bills lost in the Music City Miracle to the Titans, but I wasn't mentally there. I don't remember sitting down and watching it. I was two? Just turned two? Yeah, just turned two. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's really weird. But I'm... Am I wrong for being confident? I think my points are warranted, but it's just weird to think about. I'm actually happy 
that out of all the teams that were leading their divisions in the AFC, I'm fine with the Titans winning it. And the crazy thing is they have Derrick Henry coming back. Julio's back. A.J. Brown's back and healthy. So should we be scared of them? I think out of all the home crowds that are the three, the four teams that won their divisions, I think I fear the Titans crowd the least. And the crazy thing is the Bills killed the Chiefs in Arrowhead and lost the Titans in Nashville. So I realistically should have gone, oh, they want to play in Arrowhead. Arrowhead's the largest stadium in the NFL. It is not something I want to go to the playoffs. We witnessed that last year. And it'll, maybe, maybe just maybe, I mean, the Bills, if they win their first playoff game and the Chiefs win their first playoff game as well, will have to face the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. So it's inevitable if both teams win their playoff game. But I don't know. I'd rather, if, if the AFC had to go through one place, I'd rather it be Nashville than Arrowhead, if that makes any sense. Which it shouldn't because the Bills beat the Chiefs and lost to the Titans. And the Bengals, I fear the Bengals. I, I'm honestly, I, I do not want to play the Bengals either. But it's the playoffs. You don't, you got to beat the best. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And out of all the seasons, like last year should have been the year based on how good the team was. But I talked to my dad about this a little bit ago. Last, like Josh Allen's second year in the league, the defense carried the team. When the Bills lost, went to the playoffs, lost to the Texans. And then last year, the offense carried the team. Now the Bills have a top five offense and a number one defense. And they're 11 and six and lost to the Jaguars and got killed by the Colts. Two teams that aren't in the playoffs. Lost to the Steelers week one. Is that it? Is that it for the teams that aren't in the playoffs? Because <laughs> I guess, technically, the Steelers could still make it. If the Raiders beat the Chargers tonight, the Steelers will make it, and the Bills will play the Patriots. But if the Chargers win, the Bills will play the Chargers. Because the Raiders, I think, have the tiebreaker because they beat the Dolphins and Patriots got swept by them. Which is beautiful. <laughs> so, it's either going to be the, the Chargers or the Patriots the Bills play. And there was a poll on Twitter from Buffalo Fanatics. They had something up, and they were they asked, "Who would you rather play? Would you rather play the the Patriots or the Chargers?" And me personally, and 700, 742 people have voted on this. It will change. I don't know by how much, but 66.8 percent of people said they'd rather play the Patriots, and I would too, because the real the thing is, I fear Mac Jones a lot less than Justin Herbert, and I know the Chargers are kind of a weird mess at this point in time, where no one really, really knows if they're good or bad. And the Bills will host their AFC playoff matchup Saturday night at 8-15, so I'm assuming 7-15, because that's Eastern time. So we got Saturday football for the Buffalo Bills. That'll be fun. And I, I also could be just coming off recency bias, because I watched the Bills beat up on the Patriots last time these two teams played. But I don't know. I, I should fear Damien Harrison, Damien, Damien Harris, but I fear Austin Eckler more because <laughs> Austin Eckler's better. Outside, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams versus Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Quarterback, Justin Herbert or Mac Jones. I mean, just based off that, you should go, I want to play the Patriots. Defense, Joey Bosa versus John, John, not John Smith, Matthew Judon. Probably Bosa. Corners, I mean, J.C. Jackson. I'm not even going to entertain the idea of saying a Chargers corner is better than J.C. Jackson. Safeties, Derwin James. Take him. Like, every single metric, when you're looking at how to compare these two teams, and we're just going off the individuals, you'd rather play the Patriots, realistically. And I could come, that could come back to bite me in the ass, because the Patriots are, historically, in the 21st century under Bill Belichick, very good in the playoffs. Problem is, they don't have Tom Brady. They're going in with a rookie quarterback. But I, I don't want to take anything away from him, because Mac Jones, I like Mac Jones. I have no real issue with Mac Jones. And the way the Patriots have been playing these past few weeks... 
how Matt Jones has been playing these past few weeks, I would rather, again, this could come back to bite me in the ass, I would rather play the Patriots based on that. Herbert versus Jones, I'd rather face Jones. Damian Harris versus Austin Eckler, rather face Harris. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar versus Mike Evans, or Mike Wallace, jeez, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Rather play, rather play Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. Tight ends, Jared Cook or Hunter Henry, 50-50. I mean, Hunter Henry's a former Chargers tight end, so I don't know. O-line's about the same, probably. Left side of the Chargers O-line, very good. Right side, terrible. So, like, you could and go any way with that. I don't even know what the, what's the score of the Raiders game right now. guess I should probably check that. 20 to 14 Raiders are winning. And the Raiders have the ball and are driving. So it looks like the Raiders might hold on to the third quarter. I mean, it's five minutes left in the third quarter, so we got a lot of time left in this game, but this was a crazy, crazy week 18. And the NFC side's already figured out. NFC's got everything already figured out. Like we've got the Packers of the one, Bucks two, Cowboys three, and then we got the Rams four. Is that right? I should probably look at that. Playoff. There we go. Go to ESPN playoff thing. Yeah. So we've got the Packers with the first round bikes to the one seed. We got the Bucks, Eagles, uh, Cowboys, 49ers, and Cardinals and Rams. Those are some tasty matchups there. Tasty, tasty matchups. Now, if I'm looking at the playoff picture right now and looking at what I said preseason, there's some things I'd like to take back. So there here is my preseason predictions. You can go watch the videos. This is why you should go subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show YouTube channel because. We made two videos about this. We made an AFC one and an NFC one. If you want to go back and watch that, go ahead, pause the podcast now, make sure you go watch the video. If not, just give me a, just click on the video so I can at least get a view out of it. Because that would make me happy. I would like to see that, oh, the view went up. Did you actually watch it? Did you, did you give it a like? I mean, you like before you try it. So we, uh, we got to do it that way. But here is my preseason predictions. And I'm already starting off with AFC North and I don't like where it's going. And I, I'm going to defend some of the things that happened here because <laughs> there, there's some bad ones. There's some good ones in here. I'm like, if I'm one game off, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. If I'm multiple games off, I'm going to going to hurt myself. <laughs> Which I, starting off the AFC North, everybody's pretty off. My predictions at the beginning of the year was Browns, Ravens, Steelers, and Bengals in last. And I think I'm pretty warranted. And I remember saying this in the video. I thought the Bengals were a year off. I said the Bengals are in the best division, in, one of the best divisions of football, because I said the NFC West was the best division of football. They're in one of the best, with very stacked teams, with very good defenses. The Bengals' defense wasn't great. You had, like, Kenny Bates there, or Jesse Bates, sorry. He's on the defense, very good player. Trey Hendrickson, you got him from the Saints. You have um, the D-end, what's his name, Sam Hubbard. Like, you have some good pieces on defense, but I didn't know. I didn't really know. I love Joe Burrow. I love the fact that they took Jamar Chase. We had that in the last mock draft. Like, I liked the addition of Riley Reeve to the offensive line. Like, the offense was fine. It was the defense. And it sounded like preseason that Joe Burrow was still coming over mental lapses with his knee. He'd never played with a hurt knee before. So he was coming off of that. So I was like, um, give him one year. Give the Bengals one more year, and they'll be good to go. Well, safe to say, uh, Bengals' first year was now. They finished 10-7, and seven, went from worst to first. And I had them at 5-12, and 12, which in hindsight is a terrible prediction. Like, that was awful. And I'll slap myself. That was a ter- terrible prediction. But I think it's war. I mean, given what I said, is that fair? Like, I had no doubt that Jamar Chase would ball out. We said that preseason. But I just thought they were a year off. 
I just thought they were one year off. And then you look, the next team on that came second in the AFC North was the Steelers. I had them going 9-8. and eight. This year, 9-7-1. and one. So I will give myself a round of applause for that one. I mean, pretty spot on, especially with how the Steelers were the best team in the AFC North last year, won the division, but they tanked hard towards the end of the season. Their O-line was all new and not very good, and he had an aging Big Ben Roethlisberger. Defense, no questions about. I mean, T.J. Watt was one sack away, or half a sack away, from breaking the all-time sack record. He tied it today, which I'm kind of surprised. Against the Ravens off the line this year, he only got one sack. I was very surprised about that. But I'm not going to say, I, I got it right. I mean, I'll take it. Baltimore Ravens, I had them coming in second. They came third. I had them going 12-5. and five. They ended up going what? Oh, they came, they came last. They went 8-9. and nine. Lamar Jackson didn't play a lot this year. The O-line wasn't very good. They had a lot of COVID issues, had a lot of injuries. So I'm not I'm not too beat up about that one. The Browns won injuries, and Baker Mayfield sucked. So they went 8-9. Most disappointing team in the NFL this year is the Cleveland Browns. They were the most complete team on paper in the NFL. You had the best rushing attack in the NFL in regards to a two-back set. You had the best offensive line in the NFL. You had an improved defense, one of the best defenders in the NFL, and Miles Garrett. You addressed issues with your defense in the first and second round of the draft. You got Greg Newsome. You got Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa. You got Jadavian Clowney this offseason as well. Grant Delpit was going to be back. Denzel Ward was back and fully healthy. Greedy Williams was coming back. So it was all, everything was looking like it was good to go for the next season. But then you had no real receivers. Odell Beckham got traded. And like we said, Baker didn't play very well. Uh, The coaching situations at times were very weird with the lack of carries or lack of snaps Nick Chubb was getting towards the end of the year. I don't know. That Disappointing. Disappointing season. Sadly, I go in 13 and 4. Because I was under the the mindset that if Baker just played average, the Browns would be fine. And he played well below average. So that one's a wash. That one is a wash. AFC South, Titans 12-5. And and guess what? What did the Titans finish? 12-5. We will give ourselves a round of applause for that. That's our first A, 100% on that one. Because the Steelers, I didn't predict any ties. But if I did, it would have definitely been the the Lions-Steelers game. Next one on here. The Indianapolis Colts, I had them going 8-9. and They finished 9-8. and So we'll take that one. And I flipped back and forth between 9-8 and 8-9 and the entire offseason. I think I even mentioned that in the video. I could be wrong because I made a blog post. So I'm going off the blog post I made on here. But 8-9 is what I had. Jacksonville Jaguars, I had them going 4-13. and They finished 3-14. and Which, in hindsight, I should have had. The, the only game I would change from the Jaguars season was giving them the loss the first week of the Texans. That's the only game I would change. And the Texans I had going 0-17. I'm not saying I would have added any wins to the Texans apart from that Jaguars game week one. I thought the Texans, with their coaching situation, the Deshaun Watson distractions, the whole team itself not being very good, I was very not confident in them. But in hindsight, I would have had them going one win. So I would have had the Jaguars exactly right now. It would have been three games off at the Texans because, what, they finished 4-13? and Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't very high on the Texans. I, I love myself some Tyrod Taylor. Their O-line wasn't very good. They had no weapons outside. They had like a thousand running backs that were past it. You had no help on defense. You, then they cut their best off, the best linebackers at Cunningham. They didn't have J.J. Watt anymore. Didn't have all these big name players. So I was not very optimistic going into the season. Well, obviously, because I had them going 0-17, but they won four games. I'm not too beat up about the AFC South. AFC North, you can go screw yourselves, but AFC South, I'm okay with. Then we got the AFC East. Bills, I had them going 13-4. and They went 11-6. and I didn't really expect them to lose to the Steelers or the Jaguars. So you know what? Here we are. <laughs> I, those are two games that I was not really thinking about. 
when they lost. I also didn't think I had them losing to the Patriots either. I've had them sweep in the division because that's just, you know, what they did. back. They did it last year. I was expecting them to do it again. They almost did. They had one loss to the Patriots. I don't remember what my exact losses were. I, I had them losing to the Chiefs. I had them losing to the Titans. I had them losing to the Bucks, And I think I had a random loss in there. I think it might have been the Colts. Might have been. i got to look back at their schedule because I don't remember what teams I had it losing to. I definitely had the Titans. I definitely had the Chiefs. I definitely had the Patriots. Oh, I had the Saints. I had them losing to the Saints in New Orleans on Thanksgiving, which they routed the Saints, so I was wrong. Uh, Dolphins and Patriots had 10-7. and 7. Patriots finished 10-7. and 7, Dolphins 9-8. and 8. So, we'll take it. I had the Dolphins finishing above the Patriots, though, due to some tiebreaker. I don't remember what it was, but the Dolphins, you know, 9-8, and 8, lost 7 straight, ended up winning 7 straight, got pounded by the Titans a few weeks, like last week. Then they beat the Patriots today to make my records better. Patriots 10 and 7, spot on. Jets, I had them going 5 and 12. They finished 4 and 13. I said this in the preseason video that I think the Jets have a very bright future. I like the pieces they add in the offseason, like the coaching staff they have. Defense definitely needs to get a new facelift because they need they had a lot of people out on that defense. You lost your top edge rushers before the season even started. Your secondary kind of stinks. So you need to add some pieces there. But their offensive side of things, Wilson, you drafted. Elijah Moore you drafted, Elijah Vera Tucker you drafted, Michael Carter you drafted, you have Makai Becton who's out for the season with a uh, dislocated kneecap, which hopefully he'll bounce back fully there. Like Offensively, I think they have pieces there, especially with a good young offensive coordinator like LaFleur. So I, was, I didn't, wasn't really like the Jets will be good this year, but in the future I think they'll be good. So 5-12, and 12, I'm not upset with AFC East either. AFC West... I mean, there's no real surprises for saying who would win this division. The Chiefs. I had them going better than what they did. I had them going 14 and 3. They finished 12 and 5. I didn't think they'd come out the gates as slow as they did. I did not really expect that. I had them beat the both the Bills and the Ravens. <laughs> so I I had them losing to the Chargers at one point. I think it was the second time they played the Chargers. But I didn't have them <laughs> losing to the losing starting two and three. Basically, three and six, three and four was kind of a a kick in the pants. Kind of, I was really shocked by that. And then they kicked it in the gear. You know, you beat up on the Giants, you beat up on the Packers with Jordan Love, you beat up on the Raiders, beat up on the Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers. Like, did their thing. And if they beat the Bengals, like I probably I thought they would, then we'd be a little bit closer. But you know, fourteen and three, I like the improvements they made in the offensive line. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. It's hard not to like that. Chargers, I had 10 and 7. They could get that exactly right if they beat the Raiders tonight. They're 9 and 7 right now. That probably, by the looks of it right now, probably won't happen. But I had 9 and 10 and 7. They're 9 and 7 right now. Raiders, uh, yeah, I had them going 6 and 11. Because my thought process with the Raiders was, and I'm trying to remember everything. I'm, I haven't watched the video in a while. Well, I, I made it. I don't think I've watched it all the way through. But the Raiders' defense was awful. And at times this year, especially with all the drops they've had with the, the cornerbacks getting arrested, Henry Ruggs getting arrested, and the, the Raiders' constant, constant, under Derek Carr, it's just been a constant trend of midseason collapses. They start off super strong, and they finish either at 500 or below 500. Like, they weren't great last year. Max Crosby did not have his best year last year. He's played really well this year. But they've made some good additions on the defensive side of things. They got some good veterans in there offensively they improved the O-line to some capacity but I think that was some of my other issues as well they lost three starters in the season before they either cut or traded and I wasn't really thrilled about the whole Alex Leatherwood thing wasn't confident in Zay Jones didn't know Hunter Renfro would get 100 catches so I, I wasn't too confident on the Raiders going in but hey 
you know what? Congratulations, you're nine and seven. Prove me wrong. And then the Broncos had seven and ten. They finished seven and ten. So worked out perfectly. <laughs> Good stuff there from Denver. Didn't like their quarterback situation. Everything else on their team, I like. Just the quarterback situation. The what predictions would I be? Would I fix? I mean, Bengals and Raiders are the easiest ones. Uh, Browns. I that one stinks. I hate that one. But you know, I'm not upset about really any of these. There's not other than the the Browns, Bengals. And the, Bron- and the Raiders, I'm not too far off on any of these. They're either one or two games off. Raiders won, bad. Bre- Bengals won, I don't know how many people expected them to win 10 games. I was close to moving them up to like eight, but then I started thinking about it. I think I overthought it, which is a, a habit I tend to get myself into, is that I think they're a year off. I think they're a year off. Defense isn't great. Joe Burrow's coming off a torn ACL. They're in a good division. Turns out they were the best of the division. And the Ravens battle COVID and injuries. Browns, COVID injuries and just inconsistencies. And the Raiders, the Steelers, just terrible line play and an aging quarterback. So, I don't know. We'll see how that goes next year with the Steelers' new quarterback, whether the Browns move on from Baker, even though they said they're not going to do that this offseason. But the Bengals and the Raiders are the two ones I'm most upset about. Raiders one, I think, was I could have done better on that one. I could have done better on that one. That one's That one's probably the worst of the two. Because Bengals, again, they weren't very good last year. But I, I, the part that I'm upset about the Bengals, I think they won four games last year without Joe Burrow. So I remember saying this in the video, at least I think I did. How could they win the one or the same number of games, one more of the same number of games they did last year when they've got their starting quarterback back, which I love. Because I've said numerous times how big of a fan of it I am of Joe Burrow. So I, that one's not great. I, I, Bengals won, hindsight, bad. Moving on to the NFC, going to the NFC North, Packers win the division. I had them 12 and 5, they finished 13 and 4. Vikings, I had them at 9 and 8, they finished 8 and 9. Bears, 7 and 10, they finished 6 and 11. Lions, I had them 2 and 15, they finished 3 and 13. So, 3, 13 and 1, sorry. So, I'm one game off on every single team in the NFC North. One game. And we're talking about just wins. Like, Packers won 13, I had them at 12. Vikings won 9, they won won 8, I had them at 9. Bears won 6, I had them at 7. And the Lions won three and ended at two. So, you know, not far off on any of those either. I will take the NFC North. We're one game off on every single team in the NFC North. Moving on to the NFC South. Bucks 13 and four. They finished 13 and four. Then we had the Saints at eight and nine, finished nine and eight. Falcons, I had them at five and 12. They finished seven and 10. Panthers, I had them at seven and 10. They finished five and 12. So we can flip those two records. I was very topsy turvy on those ones. I didn't know how Sam Darnold would be. I was more of, uh, I guess you could call it wishful thinking, but Cam came in and kind of, you know, shit the bed. Defense I was happy about because they were a young defense. I thought they'd be fun. I thought Kyle Brady would be fun offensive coordinator there again, but he got fired for, I don't know, Matt Rule's ego, I guess. I don't know. But Chris McCaffrey didn't stay healthy, and their offense without Chris McCaffrey's dead. Their O-line's not very good. They had bad quarterback play. So I understand that. Falcons, I wasn't high on them to begin with, and they won two more games than what I was expecting, but hey, well... We'll take it. We'll take it. Moving on to the NFC East. This one I'm mo- probably the most upset about out of all of them. Uh, Cowboys won the division at 12-5. and five. I had the Washington football team at 10-7, and seven, winning it. I had the Cowboys at 8-9. and nine. Cowboys issues for me at the start of the season, their defense was coming off one of the worst, if not the worst defenses in Cowboys franchise history. So I was not entirely high on their defense. I knew Dan Quinn was coming in. I knew he'd improve it. I also didn't think Trayvon Diggs would go supernova and get 11 interceptions this year. That was something I did not expect. Dak coming back was coming off a massive injury, breaking his ankle, or dislocating his ankle. Didn't know how that would work out. I liked the weapons. I liked the offense. The offense was not the issue for me. 
It was the defense. And I'm not a huge Mike McCarthy fan in general. So I wasn't, I don't know, I was skeptical, I guess we could call it. 8-9, nine, nine, though, is pretty bad. But they came off with six wins last year, so I, a two-win improvement. If I looked back, I would flip the Washington football team and the, the Dallas Cowboys. For the Washington football team, I thought their defense would be way better than what it was. I did not think they'd be as bad as what they were this year. I didn't expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to be out after week, what, two? So that one kind of hurt a little bit. Offense wasn't terrible, but there was a lot of questions around it. Ten wins for them is kind of off, but I, I should have had them eight and nine. I should have flipped the Cowboys in Washington. I should have had the Cowboys go ten and seven and Cow Washington go eight and nine. Looking back, that's what I would do different. Uh, the Eagles, I was so everywhere with the Eagles. I said, I one of my friends from the iCubs, AJ, he commented on the NFC video and said the Eagles be a playoff team. And I said, in the video and in the comment, the Eagles are my, that was my least confident prediction out of all of them. Least confident. Because they, what, the, what they've been over the past few years has been injuries, has been inconsistencies, and then you hired Nick Sirianni, had the, one of the worst opening press conferences of all time. You had the questions around Jalen Hurts. You had questions out wide apart from Devontae Smith. Defense has been, again, battled injuries and consistencies. So I was not really like banging the drum that this team was going to be amazing this year. And they started off not great, but then they finished the season strong and they made the playoffs. Which is exactly what I said they would do. I wasn't sure if they'd be a playoff team or if they'd be a five-win team. I don't go in five and twelve. That's the one I'm a little upset about because that was the one I was closest to making them a playoff team. Because on paper, if you just looked at the roster, you'd go, that's a good team. It's a very nice team right there. Got players on defense, got players on offense. I like that. But the thing that they haven't been able to cure over these past few years is injuries, inconsistencies, and that's what led to a 5-12 and prediction. They finished 9-8. and So that's my that's my least favorite prediction. Now, all the ones we've gone through, that's my least favorite one. And the Giants, 4-13, and I had them going 6-11. and I thought their defense would be better. I knew their O-line wouldn't be very good, but I thought their defense would be a whole lot better than what it was. And I, did, I think Daniel Jones not playing the, almost the entire year. I think they would have been a little better. With Daniel Jones, watching Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm try to play quarterback for the Giants kind of hurt to watch, and their game plan and their play calling kind of sucked too. But, man, I thought they'd be better than 4-12, and 4-13. 6-11, I don't think, is too far off. Eagles, I'm, I'm frustrated with that one. Washington, I had 10-7. and seven. They finished, what, 7-10? and 10? Is that what they finished? Yeah, 7-10. and 10. And then the final division, the NFC West. This one, you know what? This is almost bang on. We were so close, except for one. Seahawks was bad. Seahawks was 10-7. and seven. They ended up finishing 7-10. and 10. So flip the record around. Rams 12-5 winning the division. They finished 12-5 won the division. 49ers, I had 11-6. They finished 10-7. And, and the Cardinals, I had them at 9-8. And, and they finished 11-6. I had every single team from the NFC West making the playoffs. Every single one. So I'm not upset that the Cardinals did a little bit better than 9-8 and because they finished 11-6. So it's not like I was miles off for the Arizona Cardinals prediction. We were right there. I just thought the defense was questionable, and I'm not a huge Cliff Kingsbury fan. Not a huge Cliff Kingsbury fan. I wasn't a huge fan of the running backs either, and James Conner is one of the top touchdown getters in 2021. So I don't know. That, that one I'm fine with because I thought they were the best division in football, and I still feel vindicated by that. I guess you could argue... What other division would really be up there for the best division in football? AFC West? The Western divisions would probably be up there as well. I think the NFC North, when everybody's on it, it's the, one of the best, especially now with the Bengals being really good. But yeah, I, I'm not... For the NFC, Cowboys one hurts. The Eagles one hurts. 
And uh, that's about it. The ones I would really change are the Cowboys and Eagles. Because those were the two I was most com- conflicted about, especially the Eagles one. For the playoffs, though, I had the Bills as a two seed, Titans as a four, Browns as a three, and the Chiefs as the one. Ended up being Titans at one, Chiefs two, Bills three, Bengals four. I had the Ravens as a five seed. That ended up being either the Patriots or the Raiders. Six seed, I had the Chargers, which if the Chargers win, will be 100% accurate. And at seven, I had the Dolphins. I was The Patriots and Dolphins thing, I can't remember what the tiebreaker was between those two and the prediction thing, but the Patriots, it's going to be the Steelers or the, the, who's the seven seed there? Steelers or the, is it the Steelers? Would they still be the seven seed regardless? I think the Steelers are making the playoffs. I, they, I, I can't really remember, but. Yeah, not that's not happening. The Bills making the Super Bowl, which again I said I was confident going into the playoffs. Now, so I I can I still I still believe that to a certain extent. <coughs> NFC, hey, Tampa one, Green Bay two, LA Rams three, Washington four. So it ended up being Green Bay one, Tampa two defense and cool, uh, Cowboys three and Rams four. Then five at the Niners, six Seahawks, seven Cardinals, and finished five Cardinals, six 49ers, seven Eagles. And I had the Bucks representing the NFC, which I think it's the Packers. So if I'm going off what I just said today, I think it'll be Packers Bill Super Bowl. Knock on wood, of course. So we'll see if that actually happens. I don't know if it actually will, but for awards and stuff, preseason I'd, I had where's the awards? Josh Allen MVP. I don't think that's happening. Even though I think Josh Allen should be in the mentions for it, he's not gonna win. I think if I think it'll be Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers will win back-to-back MVPs, and I think Jonathan Taylor will win Offensive Player of the Year. I had Nick Chubb winning Offensive Player of the Year. Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara were also up there. Awards for MVP at Mahomes and Justin Herbert, which, realistically, that should be the AFC Pro Bowl roster. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't have Aaron Rodgers in there. I think it was just the, the questions around what the future held for Aaron Rodgers and if that would be a distraction for the team, which week one it was because they got blasted by the Saints. So that's something there. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett. T.J. Watt's number two. I think T.J. Watt will win it. Uh, I mean, you tied the all-time record for sacks in the season. And you've only played 15 games. So, I don't think... I think that one's a pretty... That one might be unanimous for Defensive Player of the Year. And then Aaron Donald up there, because I think he always has to get mentioned up there. I think those will be the three. Uh, uh, Trayvon Diggs. But, again, you might have had 11 picks, but you gave up over 1,000 yards receiving. So, it's kind of hard to go, yeah, you should win Defensive Player of the Year when someone just tied the record for sacks in a season. Off to Rookie of the Year... Uh, Zach Wilson. This one I was le- I was flipping back and forth. I had him and Mac Jones, and I said in the video Mac Jones make more sense because I think his team will be close to the playoffs than Zach Wilson's is, and he's got a better team. I think Mac Jones will finish second, but it'll be tra- it'll be Jamar Chase winning Rookie of the Year, and then Defensive Player of the Year. Ugh, it's Jamin Davis. Ugh, that's not that's not happening. That's not happening. I have Micah Parsons up there with also Patrick Sertan. But it'll be it'll be unanimous. My the defensive player of the year and defensive rookie of the year should be unanimous. I think offensive rookie of the year should be unanimous as well. MVP I think is between four people. It's between Rodgers, Taylor, Cooper Cup, and Brady. I think those are the four that'll be mentioned up there. Offensive player of the year same four. So I don't think there's too crazy there. I had Najee Harris and Trevor Lawrence also mentioned in offensive player of the year, even though I had <laughs> uh, where's Jamar Chase leading the league. For receiving yards for rookies, Kyle Pitts in second, and then Devontae Smith third, which I think is pretty accurate, but I think Jalen Waddles in third. Receiving touchdowns, Kyle Pitts in first, I had Jamar Chase second, and Elijah Moore in third. 
All-purpose yards, Najee Harris first. I don't. I need to check these. Rushing touchdowns, I mean, Najee Harris should have been pretty clear in that one. <laughs> no other running, rookie running backs really played all that much. Uh, rushing yards, yeah, clear in that one. I guess Javante Williams, but he. I mentioned him in both rushing yards and touchdowns. Touchdowns, Wilson. No, I'm pretty sure it's Mack for both touchdowns and yards, but I'm not 100% confident in that. All-purpose, I had Najee Harris in that one. Uh, tackles, Jamin Davis. No, I'm pretty sure it's Micah Parsons. I had Jeremiah Wosukoromo up there as that one as well. Sacks, Joe Tryon. No, it's Micah Parsons. Interceptions, Patrick Satan. Might be. <laughs> I didn't check the stats. I didn't really know if I'd go through the stats or not. Uh, coach of the year, I picked Brandon Staley. Uh, I think it'll probably be Mike Vrabel. I know we kind of talked about this on Friday, but after the events that happened today, all the injuries they've had, the COVID stuff, I think it'll probably be Mike Vrabel. Uh, anybody else that I really think should be Matt, Matt LaFleur, I think should be mentioned up there as well. But I, I don't think Brandon Staley will win, especially if the team doesn't make the playoffs. And comeback player of the year, I think it's easily Dak Prescott. I mean, he just set a franchise record for passing touchdowns in the season for the Cowboys. I think it should be easily Dak Prescott. But I had Nick Bosa in two, Christian McCaffrey three. I don't think either. I don't think McCaffrey's winning it. Nick Bosa is really the only other one that I think has a shot at winning it. And then comeback player, or coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, he ain't winning it. And then Sean McVay, because I think he's always going to be mentioned up there in coach of the year. So, yeah, I don't think these are terribly too far off. We're talking about just season for the entire NFL passing yards. I had Herbert. It's not. It's Tom Brady. Passing touchdowns, I had Josh Allen. He's up there in total touchdowns. Uh, then rushing yards, Derrick Henry. I think that's always a safe bet. Rushing touchdowns, Nick Chubb. I think both are Jonathan Taylor. All-purpose yards, Alvin Kamara. I'm pretty sure it's Jonathan Taylor. I think it might also be Austin Eckler. Uh, receiving yards, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't really played. Receiving touchdowns, DK Metcalf. No. Uh, tackles, I had Joe Schobert. I really don't know who led the tackles this year. Who's leading tackles in the NFL? Foysdale, Foysday Olakun. I'm not, I don't know who, I don't even know who that is. So I can't say I thought he'd do it. Sacks, I had Miles Garrett ended up being TJ Watt. Interceptions, JC Jackson. It ended up being Trayvon Diggs. JC Jackson finished second though. I don't know why I needed to look at that because I knew that would be, I knew that was the answer. But yeah, I don't think those are too far off. Based off like previous years, I don't think that's too far off. I don't think that's too far off of that. I think that might be one of my more accurate season predictions ever. Again, there's some that I would like to take back, like the Bengals, like the Raiders, like the Eagles, like the Cowboys. But overall, I'm not upset. I'm not too upset. Based off like what it could have been and how bad it might have been, yeah, I'm fine with that. And the Raiders are currently up 29-14 to 14 with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I didn't want to mention this because I wasn't sure if it was happening or not, but I want to check this. I'm in the NFC, I'm in the uh, fantasy football championship game. I don't know if I mentioned this on Friday's show, but I was getting obliterated 77 to like 118 after last week, and it's a two week final, which I'm thankful for. I am currently winning 196 to 183. And Daniel Carl, the last two people we had were Daniel Carlson and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen has 2.1 points, Daniel Carlson has 13. Like Dalvin Cook, Dawson Knox, and the Dolphins defense last week got a combined. 1.3 1.3 points. This week, Dalvin got 8.2. Dawson Knox got 5.3. And the Dolphins defense got 19. And them getting a touchdown and intercepting the ball or fum- recovering the fumble or whatever you want to call it against the Patriots to score that last second touchdown, that's that's my season right there. So I don't know. This isn't final yet because, again, the Chargers-Raiders game is still going on, so I don't want to jinx anything right now. But it's looking good. It's looking good. Knock on wood, though, but it's looking fine right now. Hopefully it ends up going the way that I want it to go. If not, we'll move on because we finished second in another league, sadly. My team in the other league was way better than this team, but you know what? 
You'll take championships if you where you can get them. I don't again. I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but right now it looks pretty nailed on to happen. It looks like it might, but knock on wood, of course. Knock on wood, of course. And speaking of national champions, just championships in general, we've got a championship game today, Monday, Alabama versus Georgia. This is going to be a fantastic, fantastic game. I am really, really excited for this game. And I do not, I said this on Friday, I do not think this game will be the same one that we saw a few weeks ago. I do not think that will, or a year ago, or a month ago, at the early part of December. I do not think Alabama will blitz Georgia. I think Alabama will win, but I don't think they'll blitz Georgia. I think it'll be a very close affair. I think I said 28 to 20 when we did this on Friday. And that wasn't a, I did a kind of a full prediction there, but I didn't really want to go over it all the way, but we kind of did. But right now it's still the same thing. Georgia's still a two and a half point favorite. ESPN still has them a 58% chance to win this game. I think it'll be Bama. I really think it'll be Bama. I think they've got too much. I know they don't have John Mechie. I know they don't have that, but this is a similar thing that happened last year when they didn't have Jalen Waddell, and Jalen Waddell is better than John Mechie. So they missed that. And Jamison Williams is the number one receiver in the draft. So I don't think they're they're missing a lot, but again, it's Alabama. They have five stars on five stars on five stars to replace the five stars that got hurt. That's how Alabama works. That's how it always has worked. Brian Robinson's playing very, very well. The old line's playing well, and Bryce Young, he didn't need to do a lot against Cincinnati because it was a very easy game for Alabama, but he balled out. He absolutely balled out. And with this game, you've got some big, I don't know if you want to call it like massive draft implications because I don't know if a lot of people's draft stock will be very much like dipped down after this game. But players you should watch, I ranked the top 10 players for the 2022 NFL draft that are playing in the national championship game. We're just going to go over it quickly. And it's not going to, I don't want it to take very long because we kind of went too long on the season predictions thing. But number one, I mean, he's the number four player in the draft for me. It's Evan Neal. Best offensive lineman in college football. Monster, because played three positions in his time at Alabama on the offensive line. I don't really think it's close there. He's a freaking monster. He's easily start for any offensive line in college football. I think that's a fairly self-explanatory one. The next the next best player is Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams will be the first wide receiver taken. Because with how fast he is and how big he is, he's not a small receiver. He's six foot two, one hundred, basically 190 pounds. They'll block, they'll make plays in special teams on the gunner's side, not even just returning, on the gunner's side, and obviously make plays as a receiver. He averaged like 21 yards per catch this year, had in like 90 catches or something like that this year. The best receiver in college football this year, he will be the number one receiver taken in the draft. The next player we got on here is N'Kobe Dean from Georgia, the quarterback of the defense. He is the number one quarterback, and we're talking about just linebackers, on that side of the ball. He's a player. I don't think, though, when we're talking about the linebackers in general, I don't think he can do as much and as it's not as athletically gifted, maybe, as Devin Lloyd, but there's not, like, a mountain between these two. I think Devin Lloyd can do more. Devin Lloyd's more in the mold of Micah Parsons. I think that Nicobe Dean's in the mold of, like, Roquan Smith or something, which isn't any... That's not a negative thing at all. Roquan Smith's a baller. Micah Parsons a baller. Like Jalen's Jalen Devin Lloyd is about six three, probably two thirty five, somewhere around there. Nicobe Dean's about six foot two twenty five. He's not a very big linebacker. He doesn't make as many tackles as Devin Lloyd. He doesn't sack the quarterback as much as Devin Lloyd. He doesn't strip the ball as much as Devin Lloyd. But he will quarterback your defense and will be making plays in the pass game. He'll be making plays in the run game. And their historic defense, their main guy 
is N'Kobe Dean. And then we got the next player, Jordan Davis, who's the best run stopper in college football. Part of the number one rush defense in college football. Six foot six, about 340. And for how big he is, it should be pretty illegal for how good he moves. I'm not saying he's like a sack master or anything, because he's definitely not. But what he does do very, very well is absorb blockers, which frees up holes for likes of N'Kobe Dean, for Channing Tindall, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Other players like that. Lewis Sign, who wants to come up from safety and blitz. Tyke Smith, another player. You have these guys that can get after Devontae Wyatt, the other D-tackle. Jordan Davis' D-line partner. Trayvon Walker, Trevon Walker. All these guys are better because of Jordan Davis. And we'll talk about Trevon Walker now. Next one's Trevon Walker. There's number five. So you've started off with two Bama. We have three Georgia players come next. Coincidentally, they're all defensive players because Georgia's, again, got the number one defense in college football, one of the most historic defenses of all time. So they're going to have a lot of players in this draft that come from the defensive side of the ball. And the three most important players, arguably, on this defense are the three we've mentioned. Like on the D-line and the linebacker spot, they're two most dominant portions of Georgia's defense. Their pass defense is very good as well, but their run defense and the players they have in that system are sick. <laughs> they are very nice players. Next one on here, we got Christian Harris, linebacker from Alabama. He's just your stereotypical Alabama linebacker. He make plays everywhere. I don't think he is as, again, he's not as athletic as Devin Lloyd. He's not as quarterback e as Nicobe Dean, but he'll be an early second round draft pick. I'm not, I don't think he'll be a first rounder. I think there's only two first round draft picks here are the linebackers, but he'll be a second rounder for sure. No real issues in that. Next one on here, we're going to go with, I'm stuck between two people. We're going to go Jordan Battle. Jordan Battle, the safety. I kind of flip back and forth between him and Lewis Sign as the number three safety in the draft, or four safety, because I think it goes Kyle Hamilton, that you could choose between Brisker, Quan Brisker from Penn State and Daxton Hill at Michigan. Flip between those two, doesn't matter. But Jordan Battle is a hard-hitting SOB. Jordan Battle is an awesome football player to watch and will be one of the first safeties taken in the draft. Next player, though, all right, well, you might want to flip these two. You might want to flip Jordan Battle and Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt is, as we said already, Jordan Davis's interior line partner. Georgia runs a very nice 4-3 defense. They have uh, Trevon Walker out wide. They kicked him out from the D-line spot. D-tackle spot, and Devontae Wyatt is, at some things, better than Jordan Davis. He's not as massive as Jordan Davis. But I put him above Jordan Battle. I might even put him above Christian Harris. I kind of forgot about him. But he's definitely up there. So, so far, we have James, uh, Evan Neal, Jameson Williams, N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Christian Harris, or no, uh, uh, Trevon Walker, then Christian Harris, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Battle, and then we will go, uh, do I want to go with this? There's two people here. I'm going to go with Lewis. Uh, no, we're going to go Darion Kendrick. Darion Kendrick, the corner from Georgia. Former wide receiver, athlete at the cornerback position. Then we're also going to go with, you know, Lewis Sign. We'll mention him as well because he can do everything safety. He's definitely up there. I could flip him and Jordan Battle around numerous times. I do, like, they're both right up there together. I love watching both those guys play. And then the last one, I, he would be higher uh, well, we're not going to talk about it because he's not playing in the game. He's not actually going to play. But the next one, uh, we'll go with Federian Mathis. He's Alabama's D-tackle. Very big guy. Alabama, you know, typically has very good defensive linemen. Federian Mathis is another one of those guys. Alabama's defense, though it's not as talked about, I guess, as Georgia's defense, Alabama's got ballers on their side of the football, that side of the football as well. And Federian Mathis 
I'm kind of stuck between him and Harry Toa Toa. The other linebackers have probably, you could say, a more do-everything linebacker than Christian Harris is, arguably. But I'm going to stick Fedarian Mathis up there. I like watching Fedarian Mathis play. So we got the top 10 players to watch in the draft anyways for Alabama players. Evan Neal, Jamison Williams, followed by N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Trevon Walker, then Christian Harris. I'm trying to remember how he had this because I don't have it written down. Then Devontae Wyatt, Dar- Jordan Battle, Darion Kendrick, and then Lewis Sign. Wait, was that already 10? So I didn't even need to talk about Henry Toto or Fedarian Mathis. Never mind then. <laughs> but either way, great players in the draft. And players that aren't going to get drafted this year that we have to talk about Bryce Young and Will Anderson. They're going to be the number one and two pick of next year's draft. So get noting them. Brian Robinson, very fun player to watch. Georgia's running backs, James Cook and Zamir White are up there as well. Bo- uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. Really good tight end, 846 yards, 12 touchdowns. He'll be a number or top draft pick a few years from now. Yeah, there's a lot. George Pickens, we didn't mention him, but he's going to be a top receiver in the draft as well. Anybody else? Channing Tindall, we mentioned him. Tyke Smith. We've got Josh Job, the corner from Alabama. Um, I already mentioned Will Anderson and Bryce Young, so those two are in another stratosphere. Is anybody else? There's probably so many. Uh, Jemray Seiler, he's on the off the line, one of the guards for Georgia. He's someone you can mention as well. Stetson Bennett, I mean, he balled out against Michigan. Do I expect him to ball it up against Alabama? I don't know. Don't really think so. But this will, all in all, what we're trying to say here is going to be fun. This will be an insane football game. And a very predictable national championship game. Everybody's before the season started have said Georgia wants to win a national championship. This is the year to do it. This is their year because Alabama's quote-unquote down this year. We talked about before the season started, even last year, how dominant Bryce Young would be at Alabama. Then he won a Heisman Trophy. Broke records. Dude's awesome. Will be the number one or two pick in the draft. And Will Anderson will be the number one or two pick in the draft. So look out for those guys. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be very fun. I think Alabama will win. I think they'll win. Am I confident in that? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I'm about 55 to 45% sure Alabama will win. I think Alabama will win by touchdown. I don't think we'll see the same thing that happened. I don't think we'll get 41 to 24 again. Georgia's too good of a football team to get allow the same thing to happen, especially how good they were on the defensive side of the ball. This is a Georgia team that average gives up, on average, 9.5 points a game. This won't That 41-point explosion from Alabama won't happen again. But I think they'll win. I think the Crimson Tide will end up winning. And I don't think Georgia's beaten Alabama the 21st. What, what is the stat I saw? Like 8-0 against Georgia or something like that? The past 10 years or something like that? Or 15 years? 20 years? I don't remember, but... I thought I saw something along those lines. I could be completely wrong about that. But yeah, it's going to be fun. I love the national championship game. Even though I never have a dog in the fight, because I I really don't care who wins. It's not going to affect me either way. If Georgia wins or if Alabama wins, I'm not going to be too flustered about it. But all in all, I just hope for a very fun game. Like the last time these two teams met, awesome game. Really fun and exciting game. And I think, I think... That is all I've got for you today. I could be wrong. I'm going to go through some things right now to make sure that it is right. Oh, this is something that, okay, Vic Fangio got fired. We said that on Friday. That was going to be my dark horse prediction to get fired. Lost to the Chiefs, blew a lead against the Chiefs. And Jim Harbaugh was, you know, who's going to be a big-time head coach candidate this offseason. Vic Fangio was his D coordinator at Stanford and in San Francisco. Vic Fangio worked for the Bears. It was a D coordinator for the Bears. Jim Harbaugh goes to Cleveland or to go to Chicago. Vic Fangio follows him to Chicago. 
That's my prediction. Bold prediction, lock it in. Because I think Rich Bisaccia, especially unless something crazy happens, there's five, less than five minutes left and the Raiders are up by a lot. Rich Bisaccia deserves a chance as a full season as a head coach. I know Mark Davis probably won't do it, but he deserves a chance as a head coach. With how he's turned the Raiders around and how they're playing right now and getting the playoffs as a five seed, he deserves to be in there. And then two more things, I guess. Uh, Brandon Joseph transferred, who's going to be the number one safety in next year's draft. He's went from Northwestern to Notre Dame, which was kind of came out of freaking nowhere. <laughs> and also, Montana State uh, lost to North Coast State. My dark horse made it to the final, but didn't win it. So now in North Coast State, we have championships in 2021, 2019, 2018, 2017, 2015, 2014, 13, 12, and 11. That's eight national championships. Or nine, wait. Nine. <laughs> 11, or 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay, it's eight. Yeah, no. Nine. I'm holding up nine. But yeah, nine. <laughs> nine. They're, they're, the move up to the FBS level is coming soon. I think the thing I've always said about North Coast State moving up, there's two things that are kind of an issue right now. One, their stadium's not very big. And two, there's no real, quote-unquote, openings in conferences. I think the big, the conference they'll move to is the Mountain West. That's the natural progression for North Coast State. Because they're at the point now where they've won so much where they could, you know, go, yeah, we're fine staying here and keep dominating everybody. There's also the point of, we're dominating, why don't we try to move up to the next level and do what Boise State did in Appalachian State. I mean, Appy State hasn't gone to the same levels as Boise State has because Appy State was a dominant force in the FCS level as well. But North Coast State's moved up before. They moved up to the FCS in tw about, what, 2009? Somewhere around there? So the move up is in in inevitable, especially the fact that JMU, J James Madison, just moved up to Conference USA. So it's inevitable. And we're just waiting for it to happen. Boise State's looked like they've wanted to leave the Mountain West for years now. I don't know where they'll go. Pac-12 and Big 12 are the two most likely spots. But North Coast State moving to the Mountain West is the most likely opportunity. And then the chance to move over to the Mountain or the Pac-12 or the Big 12, expand their stadium a little bit, the Fargo Dome, which is about 20,000-seater. Not the biggest stadium, not small, Compare, uh, it's comparatively small, but the move up will happen. It will happen eventually, especially with all these teams moving up. So that's what I have on that matter. And I guess congratulations to North Coast State on winning another national championship game. And the Chargers scored a touchdown. So we're up 20 to, 9, 20 to 29 right now. Chargers scored 4, 429 or 428 left in the fourth quarter. So we got ourselves a game. Got ourselves a little fun game here. We got to see who the Bills play again. The Bills will play either... The Chargers or the Patriots. So if the Raiders win, they'll be playing the Patriots. If the Chargers win, they'll play the Chargers. And if I, the Chargers win, I get their record exactly right and the seed they make the playoffs in exactly right because I am a 10 and 7 and a 6 seed. If they win tonight, Chargers go 10 and 7 and they're a 6 seed. So Chargers get the dub. But again, I'd rather play the Patriots than the Chargers. So with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. We're going to have our prospect rankings come out on Wednesday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. It's going to be a blog post. Post that on LoganBlattmanShow.com. If you haven't been there before, just go visit the website. Just search LoganBlattmanShow.com and it'll pop up. Go look at some blog posts. If you want to, you can go look back at the NFL season preview that we did back in September, August or September. I don't really remember exactly. But you can go look at that if you want. But again, make sure you're following me on all forms of social media. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is BlackmanLogan and the Logan Blackman Show 1. Then we got... Facebook, The Logan Blackman Show, give that thing a like. Facebook, or uh, YouTube, The Logan Blackman Show, give it a subscribe. Watch some videos if you feel like it. And since you're listening to it right now, make sure you're subscribed and following to The Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, 
Give us a rating out of five stars. I would greatly appreciate it. Let us know what you think of the show down below as well. And with that, that's all I've got for you. I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I apologize. Hope the next one will be better. We'll have prospect rankings again for you. Let's go Bills. Back-to-back championships. Great time to be alive as a Bills fan. And I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.